The Old Testament reading today is from Genesis 18, the first 15 verses, and then Genesis 21, the first seven verses. Genesis 18 starts at the bottom of page 15 in your pew Bibles. The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. He said, I have, if I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought, and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat so you can be refreshed and then go on your way now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered, do as you say. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, get three Sarahs of the, uh, Sias of the finest flour and knead it and bake some bread. Then he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf and gave it to a servant who hurried to prepare it. He then brought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared and set these before them. While they ate, he stood near them under a tree. Where is your wife, Sarah, they asked. There in the tent, he said. Then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this same time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already very old, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I did not laugh. Lady said, uh, yeah, you did laugh. <laughs> Sorry. Free interpretation there. And now in chapter 21. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the very time God had promised him. Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. When his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Sarah said, God has brought me laughter, and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. And she added, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. This is the word of the Lord. The New Testament reading this morning is from Matthew 9, uh, verses 27 through 30a. That can be found on page 974 of the Pew Bible. 
As Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, calling out, Have mercy on us, son of David. When he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him, and he asked them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched their eyes and said, According to your faith, let it be done to you. And their sight was restored. This is the word of the Lord. Extra preacher today. You gotta go back down, babe. I gotta be up here forever. Hey, go in, please. I'll go, I'll go. No, you can't be here by yourself. Okay. <laughs> Pastors in the making, I think, right? Uh, <laughs> or comedians. I actually think comedian is more likely. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, well, good morning, everyone. Um, today, Jesus asks us this question. Do you believe that I can do this? So, uh, do you? Um, I hope that you are spending some time each week in the questions. Uh, we handed out those packets early on in Lent um, with the hopes that you would keep the question before you in the week leading up to the service. Um, and I have found that as I have been uh, repeatedly confronted by a question. I keep it at the, like just above my kitchen sink, so I see it multiple times a day. Um, my answers shift through the week um, and gain new dimension. Um, you have one more chance to do this. We have one more question next week, so uh, I'd encourage you to do that if you haven't been. Um, this week was an interesting one because the, the this isn't specified, right? I mean, for us, it is in the text. Well, actually, it's kind of ambiguous in the text, but do you believe I can do this? Like, what this? Uh, but it allows for us the question to take on different meanings, depending on what this we happen to be facing in any particular moment. Um, my guess is that for many of you, whatever your this is, your answer to Jesus' question, do you believe I can do this, your answer is probably like, yes, I think so. Um, like, if you're showing up at church, that probably means you have a little bit of yes left in you. Um, but maybe there's more. Do you believe I can do this? Yes, I do. But will you? And that's where fears and doubts come in. That's where the uncertainty comes in. You know, we're familiar enough those of us who've been around church for a long time are familiar enough with the miracle stories, um, like the one from which this question comes, Jesus healing the two blind people. Um, I say people because uh, we don't actually know that they were both men. The Greek uses the masculine for uh, if there's one male present, it's just everybody's masculine. Um, so it could have been not that. So anyway, that little bit of information helps me enter into the story in a different way. So I say people, but uh, anyway, we know these stories, right? And probably if you're showing up at church, you more or less believe them, even if you haven't had much experience with miracles yourself. But for most of us, we have also had that confusing experience of praying for things that have not happened. And we have longed for healing 
and people have not been healed. We have longed for relationships to be made whole and they have stayed broken. We have longed for God to change us, drastically sometimes, and despite our repeated prayers, we have found ourselves just the same. We have longed for God to speak to us, to offer some word of comfort and direction. And sometimes God has answered those prayers and we have been consoled, the way has been clear, and sometimes it has felt like we are all alone. Like the two people in this story, we have followed Jesus shouting, have mercy on me. But only sometimes are we healed. Yes, Jesus, I think you can, but will you? And that becomes quite a painful question to bear. Um, Faith often has painful questions in it. You know, sometimes the things that we have always believed just become harder to believe for one reason or another, and that can be terrifying and excruciating. Sometimes we expect things from God that God has always given before, and then all of a sudden, God doesn't seem to give that thing anymore. And we start to go, like, I think you can, but will you? And by that will you, we mean something closer to, do you actually love me? Are you paying attention? Do you see me? Do I matter? And maybe, are you really there? Our story this morning is a short one, um, but it stands out because the healing actually takes a while to come. Uh, This miracle is the eighth in a series of nine miracles that happen all in a row in the section in Matthew, and they're all about Jesus bringing the kingdom of God to bear on everyday life. In the person of Jesus, the kingdom of God is breaking into this world, and as evidence, people are healed, the dead are raised, demons are cast out, one right after the other. But this one is a little different than the rest. In each of the other miracles in this section, Jesus heals the person immediately. Like maybe he has to travel somewhere, but he's always paying attention. He's always present. But here, Jesus seems to ignore the blind people for a while. They follow him shouting, son of David, have mercy on us. But Jesus doesn't acknowledge them at all. He just keeps walking. And then he goes inside a house, and not until the people follow him into the house does he finally turn to them and ask the question. When they say yes, I kind of wonder if they're thinking something closer to, like, yes, of course we believe you can. Like, why else would we be shouting at you? We followed you, and, like, we're blind. Do you know how hard it is to follow somebody? Like, why did you make this so difficult? I wonder if by the time they got inside, their yes was a little more tentative than it might have been before. They followed him around shouting and shouting, and he seemed to pay them no mind at all. You know, they had heard people tell of what Jesus had done for others. They must have. But when they came by, it just seemed like Jesus wasn't listening. Now, I think I've said this before. Um, it's nice to have so many new people because you haven't heard me tell the same story six times already. 
Um, but I think I've said this before, but uh, I was healed miraculously from my first bout of depression. Um, and I don't know why that happened to me. And it certainly wasn't immediate. It was about six months in, I think. And it was totally unexpected. I went to church one morning, um, which at that point, it was only dogged persistence that brought me there. My faith was nearly empty. Um, I remember saying to people, like, I don't think I believe any of this, but I care that my parents not have another bad experience of Christianity, so that must mean that in some level I care somewhere, so I'm going to keep going. Um, maybe you could say I was following Jesus into his house, shouting for mercy, but only the tiniest part of me believed that it would come. And then one Sunday morning, all of a sudden, like for no reason that I know of, uh, all the words in the songs seemed super true, which sounds ridiculous. Uh, but that's how it was. I just kept saying, like, it's just so true. Um, yeah, it had, my faith had been so hollow, and then all of a sudden it was so full, and it kind of shocked me. And then that evening, I went to another um, service that I always went to. It was like the college Christian meat market. Um, <laughs> We would, like, pack out this uh, Pentecostal church every Sunday night, like, young adults from all over the place. Uh, we'd fill up the aisles. It was just full. Um, and we would sing uh, for an hour or so, and then we would uh, make eyes at each other at McDonald's afterward. <laughs> I have no problem with Christian meat markets. It's fine. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, I went there um, that night. And again, the same thing happened. Like, the words just seemed so true. And I started laughing. Like, I couldn't stop laughing. Um, it was so odd. It was not something I'd seen before. Um, but I've since learned that uh, it's funny that it happened in a Pentecostal church, but not necessarily to a Pentecostal. My family is all. I always say these weird charismatic experiences are like holdovers from my grandmother's prayers. <laughs> but... <laughs> Anyway, uh, Pentecostals would call this laughter in the spirit. Um, and that's what happened to me. I wasn't looking for it. I didn't really know what it was. But I couldn't stop laughing. And afterwards, I was not depressed anymore. Um, so that's like a thing that Jesus can do. Uh, I have since been depressed several times. And that has not happened again. Um, the second bout, my second bout of depression um, lifted because of some counseling and some very hard and very important words from friends. It wasn't laughter in the spirit, but that time a very different kind of healing happened. That time of grief began to unravel in some knots in me that I needed unraveled. It began to undo things in me that like, I used to protect myself and also that kept me a little bit meaner and a little bit less compassionate, a little less able to love. Yeah, I often think about how um, my life would have been different, less joyful, less connected, had I not gone through that time. You know, I thought about that as I was answering this question this week, these two different experiences. Do you believe I'm able to do this? Yes, I do. I have lived through the miracle. 
but God hasn't given me that miraculous healing again, and I am better for it. I am grateful for it. The healing I wanted didn't come, but something else and something more did. A lot of my doubts and fears and questions of faith have been stilled because of experiences like that. Both sides of the experience. The miracle of laughter and the miracle of counseling and inner healing, followed later by the miracle of antidepressants. Um, <laughs> they have helped me to trust that even when it seems like Jesus might not be paying attention, there is a reason, and a reason that I can trust. Um, there's a song that has a line that says, Though I feel misled, you are just and good. And I like how it holds up so well both sides of our experience. Well, of both our experience and our faith that holds out through it. That sometimes it seems like Jesus isn't paying attention and we feel misled. And also, over time, our faith becomes grounded in the truth and knowledge that God is good, whatever is happening. When we begin to believe that God is good, then the question, do you believe that I can do this, changes from being some kind of like weird measure of faith and becomes instead an invitation. It's less like a test and more like Jesus is asking, do you trust me? Which reminds me a lot of Aladdin. <laughs> uh, the one that came out in 1992. It's like my cultural reference are becoming more and more dated. Um, <laughs> Anyway, anyway, if you've seen that very old movie, um, I think I had it memorized as a child. Um, there's this moment when Aladdin and Jasmine are getting chased. <laughs> I feel like such a nerd right now. Okay, they're getting, <laughs> they're getting chased by the palace guards, and, and Aladdin reaches out his hand to Jasmine and says, do you trust me? And she goes like, yes, and she puts her hand in his, and he yanks her out the window, and they fall several stories and then their landing is like cushioned by some laundry and I don't know some sheet or something and grain or sand I don't know but they fell softly at the bottom um they weren't real specific about what was going on there <laughs> anyway what I'm trying to say is that God is like Aladdin <laughs> I, I mean that um, <laughs> God invites our trust right not necessarily because we need it or because God needs it, but because things will just be better if we can trust. Even when what is about to happen is not what we would expect and not what we would choose, especially in those times. And that's how the question sounded for me by the end of the week. Do you believe that I can do this? Yes? Good. If I am not doing it, or if I have made you wait, there is a reason. If it seems like I'm not paying attention, there is a reason. Do you trust me? And like Jasmine, we can kind of choose our response. You know, trust has to be earned, but it's also something that we can choose. We can give our hesitant yes and let God lead us even to places we would rather not go and find that even from these very hesitant beginnings and unexpected turns, our trust will grow. The yes will be a little bit easier the next time. 
and you find in that process that you, you cannot trust that God will do exactly what you want or expect. Your doubts about that are well-placed. But you can always trust that God will be good. And God works differently with different people in different circumstances, but God always has reason, even if we don't know what it is. In our story in Matthew, um, there is a reason that Jesus makes the two blind people wait until they're inside. It's not explained, as it often isn't for us either, but I think it's pretty clear when we put the pieces together. Um, these are the first two people to call Jesus son of David, uh, which is a popular way of talking about the Messiah. They are the very first to identify Jesus as Messiah. And it seems that Jesus is not ready for that title. Or maybe the title isn't ready for Jesus. The popular way of talking about the Messiah wasn't what Jesus is at all. No one expected a savior like Jesus, right? They expected a military leader, a warrior. They expected someone who would come sword drawn, wielding the power of violence to vindicate Israel, to set them free from Roman rule and any other foreign oppression forever through war. Their imaginations were filled with the only kind of glory and victory they knew. Military conquest was the new thing they were waiting for, but it really is not a new thing at all. It is just more of the same old thing, the same old violent story. And so Jesus made the blind people wait to follow him inside the house because they called him a name that belonged to him but whose meaning was more confusing than helpful. And for the time being, he wanted to keep that a secret, to show them he was something different before the title, the title allowed them to put all their assumptions onto him. Um, like, I often don't tell people that I'm a pastor when I meet them. I try to, like, hold it back. Uh, because there are so many assumptions that come with people knowing that you're a pastor. Uh, I like to just be myself for a bit. Uh, sometimes, like, swear or something. So that, when they <laughs> so, so that when they hear that I'm a pastor, they are already, it's already undermining what they think a pastor is, like, good or bad. Um, and so Jesus doesn't respond to the title Son of David. He waits until he's inside where no one can see, and after he's healed them, he tells them sternly, the text says, not to tell anyone what he's done for them. He made them wait, and there was a reason. Jesus is not the Messiah that Israel expected. And when they talk... When they Jesus is not the Messiah that Israel expected when they talked about the son of David. He was not going to do what the Israelites wanted. He was not going to answer the prayer that they were looking for. Or he was not going to give the answer to prayer that they were looking for. Because all that they could ask or imagine was just more of the same old thing. And he was doing something new. And some people, even witnessing his miracles, were so fixed on the answer that they expected that they missed the answer that they got. I thank God that God does more than we know to ask. 
Thank God that God is not just another power-hungry warmonger bringing salvation for some at the expense of others, bringing forced peace through threat and bloodshed. The kingdom that Jesus rules doesn't arise through coercion, but through surrender and grace. God's victory isn't won through violence, but through love. And the peace that Jesus ushers in is not something that has to be held in check through intimidation. It's a peace that doesn't train for war anymore. God is making all things new. And often in ways that we don't expect. That we couldn't even know to expect. Because it's truly new. May we learn to trust this God. That we might believe that God can do what we want and might. Even while we trust when God makes us wait. Or doesn't do the thing at all. May we have our eyes open to the gifts that we get. Rather than keeping our hearts fixed on the gifts that we want. May we look forward to something new, something unexpected, something so beautiful that we can hardly even imagine it. You may not be able to trust that God will give you exactly what you want, but you can always trust that God is good. Please pray with me. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on us. Your own kind of mercy. That you might bring something new into this world and into our lives, into our communities and our hearts. May we trust you to walk into that newness with joy. Amen.